I'm Fred Eichler, and I have been a lifelong admirer of Fred Bear and his legacy. As a kid growing up reading Fred Bear's field notes and watching his adventures on TV instilled in me a passion to experience the many things Fred got to experience in his hunting career. I'm excited to introduce each new episode of this digital field notes series and to continue the legacy of a man that had a monumental impact on not only me, but also on the sport of archery. Chapter 9, Kispiox River, 1963 Again, the Kispiox River country was chosen for an adventure. Life magazine was interested in doing a story on hunting grizzly bears with bow and arrow. Don Mosier was the writer, and Robert Halmy the photographer. Love and Lee were the outfitters. Bill Love was the head man, with Kolbjorn Eide as assistant. Wednesday, September 25th, 7 p.m. Huddled in front of our campfire on Swan Lake, where a creek leaves to drain into Stevens Lake. We flew in last evening in two beaver flights and had camp set up before dark. Our party consists of Bill Love, outfitter of Love and Lee, his helper and guide, Kolbjorn Eide, Don Moser, a writer from the staff of Life magazine, Bob Halmy, photographer, and myself. This morning we hunted the creek between here and Stevens Lake. No bears were sighted, but lots of sign and plenty of sockeye salmon. Had lunch on Stevens and rested an hour before hunting back up the creek. At the lower end of the creek, where I shot a grizzly two years ago, we surprised two medium-sized bears. Perhaps I should say that they surprised us, as they apparently winded us and ran into some alders nearby. We were on high ground and watched them for about ten minutes. Finally, one of them picked up a fish and started up the trail we were on, the second bear following him. They were about 75 yards away when I started after them and closed the distance to about 35 yards. Bob and others stayed back on high ground. The bear with the fish laid down in a depression on the trail to eat his catch. The other bear kept walking away, and I had about decided to come out from behind the tree to try to maneuver for a clear shot when the far one turned back in my direction woofing weakly, 
sensing something was wrong. He was about 25 yards from me when I took a peek from behind my tree. The bear stood up for a better view and I heard Bob's camera clicking. I tried to get into shooting position, but the first bear saw me and they both made off up the creek and we did not see them again. About halfway back, however, we were startled by a good-sized, very dark grizzly bellowing, crashing brush and charging toward us from partway up the hill across the creek. She came down to the edge, made three jumps along the bank, turned and went back up the hill. I saw her beat the trunk of a tree with her front paw. She then made off and we saw no more of her. I think she had cubs up the tree, or maybe was just giving vent to her anger. Don was greatly impressed with her savage actions. I was too. Don says he plans to carry a rope after this to get down out of trees. It rained almost all day. Thursday, September 26th, 7.30 p.m. Cloudy this morning and a spot of rain, but turned into a fine sunny day. Shirt sleeve weather. We thought it best to rest the Swan Stevens Creek area and explore the Swan Lake Creeks. This we did with Bill as guide, while Kolbjorn went over into the Brown Bear Lake area to explore the creeks there. He reported no fish in the creeks and no bear sign. We hunted two creeks. First one had no fish and no bears. Second creek, a short one, had fish, but apparently only a lone bear, a big one. Because of dense cover along the creek, we did not spend much time there, but came back to camp about 3.30 and caught some rainbow trout in the creek here. Ravens are screaming at us from trees close by. Geese are honking their way south, and whiskey jacks talk to us here at camp. Saw a water ouzel today. Friday, September 27th, 7.30 p.m. Decided not to start early today. In this third year of hunting here, we have seen bears only in the middle of the day. Left camp at 10.30 this morning. Saw the two bears again we'd seen on Wednesday. They were fishing in a creek and put on a fine show for us for an hour or so. I finally took a shot at one, but missed him. Bob Holmey snapped about a hundred pictures. The bears caught fish, ate them, walked logs, made splashing rushes at fish in the shallow water. They would sit in the water after an unsuccessful rush and look about in seeming embarrassment to see if any other bears had seen them. It was a great spectacle. Saturday, September 28th, 9 p.m. We saw seven grizzlies today went down the creek to Stevens Lake and saw nothing. In route, fished at the river mouth and caught several big Dolly Varden, a rainbow, and some coho. While fishing, Bill looked upriver and saw a bear. We went after him, and it turned out to be the twins again. Bob took many pictures. They ran into the brush. After lunch, we went up the river again and saw a big grizzly fishing. He caught a fish and took it into the brush across the river. Got myself into position for a shot and waited an hour, but he did not show. 
and we continued on our way. We decided to move camp to the Stevens Lake area, where Jack Lee will meet us with the horses. Little use to stay here as there is nothing on Swan, and the lower end of the river is best for bear. We will portage boats and all over to Stevens so as not to stir up the river. Making our way along the trail, we saw two bears, one big one, across a small lake. They were going in our direction and we hastened to head them off. Our timing was off one minute, however, as they crossed the river at the end of the lake and went up the hill about 80 yards from us. I had just started a stalk when a third one came up from the river. Unfortunately, he saw me and so did the others. All of them went over the ridge. They were all fine bears, one of them a really big, beautiful one. We portaged one boat and some gear over to Stevens Lake this evening. Sunday, September 29th, 7 p.m. Have camp established now on the Kispiox River, across from the lower end of Stevens Lake. Got an early start this morning and took the big boat and all gear across the neck to Stevens. Kolbjorn Eide is an extremely husky 35-year-old Norwegian, 6 feet 2 inches and about 205 pounds. In dragging the boats overland about one-half mile, he practically ran with them. We got to the lake with all the gear at noon, had lunch, and then started to hunt up the river, but the wind was wrong and we came back. It started to rain and we sat in a downpour going the length of the lake to the trail. The portage from Stevens to the Kispiox is three-fourths of a mile through willow and high brush and grass. By the time we got here, we were really wet. The advantage of this spot is that we can hunt Stevens Creek and also the lower end of Club Creek, which is the only part of that stream that has any fish in it. It is a better camp, too. We have our tents under a big spruce right beside the river on the edge of a grassy clearing. The remains of an Indian cabin are here, and a grave with pole fences around it bears the following inscription. Martha Johnson Gowing died April 15, 1877. This is where Jack will meet us with the horses in about two days. Plans are to go by horse one day and then use rubber boats to float down the Kispiox to Jack's camp. Tuesday, October 1st, 5 p.m. Up in a Malkin at the mouth of Club Creek, I can look down on nine Dolly Varden trout, ranging from five to nine pounds. They are strung on a stick with a 15-pound nylon line tied to it, which runs up to my platform. The string will be tied to a finger when I crawl into my sleeping bag. It is cloudy, but I hope for no rain. We have had plenty of it since moving from Swan Lake. This morning, the rain stopped. The sun showed for a few hours and then disappeared again. Everything we have is soggy and damp. We came up here to Club Creek this morning and discovered that some fish we had caught yesterday had been taken by the grizzlies. This prompted the building of the platform in hope that they would come again this evening or in the morning. I did not write yesterday, 
too wet and cold. Hunting with Kolbjorn, we saw a bear across the upper river. I went down to the water's edge to get a close shot if he came into the river to fish. About this time, I discovered I was facing a good-sized mama bear and two cubs. She must have winded me and was woofing to keep the small fries in the brush. I got out of there. This makes 13 grizzlies we have seen, not counting the twins we have seen three times. The latest trio were not the same ones we have seen before. Wednesday, October 2nd, 5 p.m. Up in our platform again. Bob and Don are with me, and the weather is wonderful. Last night was a wild one, however, from several points of view. Rain started at 6 p.m. and kept up all night. While docking the boat in the brush here early last evening, I leaned my bow against an alder. The boat came up easier than we thought it would, resulting in Bill stepping on the upper recurve. I heard it crack, and the glass beside the string groove lifted. I wound some rubber bands tightly around it and shot it several times. It seemed okay. At 6.55, a big sow led three cubs across the river on a log about 50 yards from me upstream, a family we had not seen before. She dropped into quite deep water and caught a fish, and the whole family went into the bush to eat it. At the same time, a good bear came out on a log about 100 yards further upstream. He looked the situation over carefully, and then came straight down and started eating one of the fish on our pole. He was only 15 yards from me, and down at a rather sharp angle. I loosed an arrow, and there was an ear-splitting racket as the upper limb let go. The arrow slapped the bow, making still more noise, and landed in the rocks about three feet off. The bear had a fish in his mouth and squatted facing me in a semi-sitting position, front legs spread wide and looking up to see where the noise came from. He seemed reluctant to leave the fish, but in a few seconds made off into the alders, dragging the pole and four fish still tied to it. Rain was now coming down harder than ever, and we were tempted to jump in the boat and head for camp. The wind was blowing upstream, and soon the big sow was out fishing again. She caught a fish and was going ashore on our side when she caught our scent. It was nearly dark as she came up behind us in the bush, woofing and snorting. She kept this up all night, intermittently, and did not leave until 8.30 this morning. We had no choice but to remain all night in our perch, although we were completely soaked from the rain. My fish bear, a beautiful black silvery specimen, kept fishing. We heard bears all night and saw several upriver after daybreak this morning. We hope to come back here again this afternoon in good light. Bob Halmy is ready with the cameras and Don Mosier has a pencil poised. I will have my spare bow. Thursday, October 3rd, noon. At 6.30 last evening, the twins made their appearance on the log upstream. Shortly after, the big sow, who stayed with us last night, came out also. 
She fished for a short time and then something seemed wrong with her cubs on our side of the river. She roared and bounced across like an express train, grunting and woofing. She came up near us and began to huff. In the meantime, my fish eater came out after another fish from our pole. I released an arrow which went into the river. The upper bow tip hit a limb and again there was noise and my arrow went astray. This naturally made the bear jittery and he raced for the brush and then went fishing upstream. He had no luck, however, and in ten minutes he was crawling out our side again and I was sure he would make a sneak through the brush to get our fish. This proved to be the case. He stood facing me at a slight angle. I shot through the upper part of the shoulder blade, down through the lungs, and punched through the hide on the far side, low. He jumped into the water, going only 12 yards before he collapsed. Not a monster, 250 to 300 pounds, but a fine coat of fur. We got back to camp at 9 p.m. and were greeted by Jack and Francis, who had just arrived with the horses from Coral Creek. We took pictures and skinned out the bear this morning. We'll leave here early in the morning by horse, float the Kispiox from the canyon down and reach Coral Creek in the late evening. Don and Bob want to catch the Sunday plane from Smithers. Same day, 5 p.m. We are all sitting on a hillside about 100 yards above the upper creek. It rained all the way here and until a few minutes ago. Drops coming down from the trees now. This is our last evening, and we plan to stay until dark, hoping to see the whole show again and get more pictures. If we run into the mad sow that has been giving us trouble, I'm sure we will have to shoot our way out of there. Last evening, there was a mighty roar up this way. A grisly dispute, probably. Same day, 9.30 p.m., we ran into a fair bear on the second creek, made a sneak for pictures, but she had two cubs with her and we backed out of there undetected. We saw the mad sow at the mouth of the creek, but she only huffed and puffed and did not come too near us. I believe we have seen 23 different bears, many of them several times. We are leaving for Coral Creek tomorrow. Saturday, October 5th. 11 a.m. at Coral Creek. Came all the way from Stevens Lake and got here at 10.30 p.m. The trip was uneventful. We did not float from the canyon. It got too late. Don and Bob are going to Hazleton to catch a plane at Smithers. I have asked them to get me reservations to fly out next Sunday. I want to spend a week here with Jack trying to get pictures of that big grizzly. Two baits have been out for some time. We have not checked them recently. Sunday, October 6th, 8.30 p.m. Don and Bob left yesterday, and the silence is noticeable. I spent the day drying gear and getting rested. The walk from the canyon to Sweeten Friday after dark stiffened up some rarely used muscles of my body. I never knew that horses could walk so fast. 
I kept a firm grip on Kino's tail, and he pulled me up the ridges. In turn, I braked for him going down. He's a friendly, husky pack horse. Once I stumbled over a log and pitched forward headlong to bury my head between his rear legs. The good old square-sterned horse plodded right ahead. I got my boots dry for the first time since we left Terrace. There is a man here from Los Angeles, a photographer wanting pictures of grizzlies. He and another guide have been watching baits Jack placed for me. Last Friday, this fellow shot a fine bear at one of our baits, and Jack is plenty mad, and so am I. Today, he and Bill left for Stevens Lake. I hope one of those mad bears eats him up. Fine weather today. First frost of the season last night. That took care of the black flies. Jack and I went riding this morning, rode up to Clifford Creek and checked a bait that has been there for four weeks, but nothing has touched it. Went down Clifford to the Kispiox and caught five big cohos to replenish another bait that has been reduced to bones. We then checked the far bait where the photographer shot the bear. Not much left of the bait, but the bear carcass was there. Tuesday, we have planned to go back to a burn and hunt moose. We will take a pack horse and chainsaw and build a raft to fish the lake that has not been fished before. I look forward to this, as it should make a fine movie. I look forward to this week also. The pressure is off with the life job done. I'm alone in this beautiful cabin and lonesome too, but dry and snug. I like hunting with Jack. We understand each other and I can learn a great deal by observing his woods lore, which he acquired the hard way during 40 years in the bush. My day was further brightened by three letters from my wife. Monday, October 7th, 8 p.m. A lazy day. Jack and I built blinds at both lower baits and then checked the upper one. This bait has been out for four weeks. The photographer who shot the bear was supposed to take pictures only. I can now only hope that a bear will come and eat the carcass he shot. Nothing to do from here except check baits. If a bear starts feeding, sit by it and try to get some pictures. Tomorrow we ride into moose country with a pack horse. Tuesday, October 8th, 8.30 p.m. Rain this morning. I wanted to take pictures of the raft building and fishing, so we did not go. Instead, Jack and I hunted moose east of Nobody Much Creek. We hunted from horseback, but gave it up because every time we separated, our horses kept in touch with each other by whinnying. This afternoon, we hunted afoot up Clifford Creek Saw good sign, but no moose. No bears have come to the bait and nothing can be done about it. There is an abundance of berries this year to lure them afield and no humpback salmon for them to pick up along the Kispiaks. Thursday, October 10th, 8.30 p.m. Did not write last evening. Three men from San Francisco who I had met two years ago stopped in and stayed until midnight.
Yesterday we rowed into the untried lake. We got the raft built okay, but then couldn't get the motor started. So Jack carved a paddle with a chainsaw and we fished for three hours without a single strike. This morning we checked the baits, no bears, and then rowed out into the hairpin to fish. Jack caught a steelhead, about eight pounds, and I had a big one hooked, but was using an improvised swivel and it broke. Caught a dozen Dolly Varden trout. The weather has been beautiful since I have been here at Coral Creek. How nice it would have been to have had it like this at Stevens Lake. Friday, October 11th, 8 p.m. Checked baits this morning. Thought we had a winner on the last one as the bait was torn apart. But on close examination, discovered it was wolves that had been at it. This ends my chances for bear pictures as we leave tomorrow. We stopped at a place below Sweeten to fish for a little while. I caught a steelhead 39 inches long. No scale to weigh it. We'll freeze it and ship it home for mounting. It is a beauty. We head for Hazelton in the morning to get checked out with my bear and fish and get cleaned up for the flight on Sunday. Aboard plane, Sunday, October 13th. I saw Bill Love today and got a report on his five days at Stevens Lake. No rain at all, but few bears on Swan Creek. The big black sow had moved over to Stevens and she charged them vigorously with much roaring. She was coming strong, Bill said, as he moved sideways to clear a tree in case he was forced to shoot. He says he thinks that his quick movement may have changed her mind as she stopped at 30 feet, thought things over, and turned back. At this time, the cubs, who had been across the creek, joined her and they went off into the bush. She must have followed them to camp as she was bellowing in the bushes behind their tent that evening. Plenty of Dolly Varden at the mouth of the creek. They baited bears with fish and got good pictures of two sizable specimens at the place where I shot mine from the Machen. Bill says that bears prefer coho to Dolly Varden and that the sockeyes had gone. Even the upper creek had coho in it. Bill found my light meter on the portage between Swan and Stevens where I pushed the boat. On my way to Calgary to join Glen St. Charles for the Bighorn Sheep Hunt, we'll give you a report since leaving Hazelton. I had a bear hide, a frozen steelhead, and some trinkets when I landed in Vancouver. The bear hide I sent to Jonas Brothers, and the fish I shipped to Chuck Kroll. Asked him to put it in the freezer and hold it for me for mounting. Also, a box will come with some trinkets I bought from the Indians in Hazelton. In it is a plastic bag containing a coho head and a steelhead tail. Chuck should open this bag, add salt and water to cover everything, leave the bag open, and place it in a cool place awaiting my return. One of the birch bark wastebaskets is for you and one for Julia. The horn ladle is for Chuck from Wilford. It came from the Indian cabin in the meadow at Stevens Lake. He will remember. 
Don Mosher, life writer, had asked me to call him when I got out of the bush. This I did. He says he has 3,500 words written that he likes very much and thinks that I will too. Expects it will be published about mid-November. Says they have some fine pictures. Don, the Life magazine writer, turned out to be quite a guy. I had misapprehensions about him before the hunt, but he took hardships like a man and helped with the work. We had lots of rain at both Stevens and Swan Lakes, and only open front lean-to tents. While our campfire was magnum size, it was useless to try drying clothes, with one side getting wetter while the other dried by the fire. In short, we were, at best, damp most of the time. Bob Halmy, photographer, suffered most as he had only blue jeans and no long underwear. He did not complain, however. In the lush country where Jack and Bill live in the valley near Hazelton, the soil is rich and rainfall heavy. We had strawberries fresh from the garden at Jack's place Saturday evening, following a dinner of wild goose shot by Jack's son-in-law. The shelves in their basements bend with home canned food. Frances, Jack's wife, said that last fall she had canned over 300 one-and-a-half-quart jars of moose. We had some at Coral Creek, and it was good. Bins hold apples, potatoes, cabbage, and squash. I saw raspberry stalks two feet higher than my head, so top-heavy that the branches had to be tied together at the tops to keep them upright. Their homes are spotless. Almost before the door is open and welcome, out comes the coffee pot, followed by the frying pan. Old Barrelhead eluded me again this year. He was shot twice this spring and seen late this summer. I'm not sure if I mentioned in my notes that Jack found his tracks on a creek above the canyon on his way up to get us at Stevens Lake. He did not have a chance to investigate in detail as old Duke was mired up to his belly in the mud with a heavy pack on his back. We had planned to check it out on the way back, but got a late start from Stevens, had trouble with the packs, were short two horses, and ran into some hornets. We did find his tracks, however. He seemed to have put on some weight in the last two years, since his tracks are more rounded than before. He is probably suffering from fallen arches because of overweight from the heavy fare of fish and wild berries that are so abundant this year. I'm glad he had sense enough to move upriver, away from the hunters, who will go into the Sweeten River by road. Only with horses can one go beyond there, and he is about 10 miles above this. You have probably guessed that I have plans to take his trail again next year. Jack and Bill and I have spent several evenings planning a foolproof campaign. The assault begins in early summer, reaches a crescendo in early September, and old Flatfoot falls to my razor head about October 1st. His hide is undoubtedly covered with scars from bullet holes and fights, and his gut loaded with tapeworms. But if his head is as big as it looked to me two years ago, he is big enough.
The emphasis on another trip is to make the greatest of all grizzly films. This can be done from carefully locating platforms in trees at prominent fishing spots along the Swan and Stevens Creeks. Liberties can be taken with those sows from a platform without danger of having to shoot one, and the cubs would make very cute pictures. There are many brown bear movies, but I know of no grizzly films. I did not carry my movie equipment on this bear hunt at any time. Did not want to mess up the still pictures. We also want to explore a good-sized creek that flows into the Kispiox about 15 miles north of Stevens. Jack took a military party up there with horses some years ago to locate a wrecked plane and found many fish and good bear signs. Coming into Calgary, more later. Fred Bear's Field Notes is produced by the team at Bear Archery. Learn more about Bear Archery and its complete suite of products at beararchery.com. Narration by Alan Johnson. Direction, production, sound mixing, and editing by Smarter Labs. Theme song by Isaac Ollie. Chapter art and design by Samantha Marksberry. Special thanks to the Bear Archery team for providing their original content to produce these episodes. Visit beararchery.com to listen to all episodes, sign up for future updates, and see articles, maps, photos, videos, and more.